all have the capacity to be a leader. You have to be run by ideas, not hierarchy. The best ideas have to win. That leadership is the art of getting people to want to do what must be done. This is the Cloud Leaders Podcast. On this show, I aim to talk to real people who lead real teams to accomplish real goals. No influencer speak, no fake inspirational speeches, just real practical conversations around what it takes to be a successful leader in today's complex world of information technology management. So let's get talking. All right. I already I, hate the last line that I just said. Let's get talking. That's really stupid. So I'm going to fix that <laughs> later. But this is my first episode run at this. And I invited a friend, a good friend, a former leader of mine, uh, to have this initial conversation with me. So Ian Curtis, thank you for joining me with this. Thanks for having me, Britton. Ian, give me a, give a quick two-second introduction to who you are and why the heck um, I think you're a leader worth talking to. Well, I don't know if I can answer the second part. That's more for you to answer. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I ran global uh, systems engineering for the Center of Excellence at VMware um, for about a year. I was at VMware for about four years, and I'm currently in the process of going through a career transition. Um, and you know, before that, various leadership roles in the military and so forth. So, yeah, I say that's it in a nutshell. All right. Well, th- I think that's good enough. And, you know, I-, I think you're a person in leadership that that I would want to talk to just because, you know, you and I have had a great relationship, I think, for the number of years that I've known you and worked with you. And you're you're uh, one of, I would say, a handful of leaders that I've had, you know, directly influencing in my life and my career that I think have had a positive influence on me. And so ultimately, that's why I wanted to reach out to you first and say, you know, thank you for all of that, first of all. So, yeah. Thank you. That's very rewarding to hear. Yeah. Pat Gelsinger, former CEO of VMware, used to have this kind of famous line of saying, everybody's in sales, right? And I'm kind of flipping that a little bit to say, like, it seems like, you know, really, if you want to get anywhere in the IT world today, or if you want to get anywhere in your general career aspect of things, everybody's a leader in some aspect or another, right? And so I think all of us kind of needed to kind of start to take those uncomfortable steps of growth in your career. And mm-hmm. part of that is learning how to be a leader. And so that's kind of why I wanted to do this is just get, you know, some free consulting advice from people that I know who are good at this stuff and get in for, you know, get bits of things here and here and there that I can kind of throw into the pocket and pull out, you know, in, in the, in life and in the world as, as I need it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the general goal of what I'm on. And, you know, I, I've been trying to re- research kind of ways to do this for a long, long time. Like I read years ago the the this now famous business book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. Are you familiar with the book? I've heard of it. haven't read it. Okay. He's uh, Jim Collins is like this career um, business consultant guy. You know, it's a pretty popular book. I think it's if you're, you know, trying to start a business, which I, which is the position I was in when I first read it. You know, it's it's some pretty pretty heady business stuff, but he pulls out. You know, in this uh, part part of what he does in the book is he, he has sort of a research group that he works with, where they go in and they did some real deep categorization of what makes these you know good businesses great and what's kind of the what what takes a company that's doing well 
but then is catapulted into the next Microsoft or the next the next Google or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he's identified certain characteristics that make those good companies great. And he kind of did the same thing on a leadership level where he says, you know, there's, you know, five characteristics that what he calls level five leaders have, you know, and he talks about having, you know, a personal sense of humility, deep, a personal understanding of your strengths and weaknesses as an individual, um, a laser like focus on the organization's purpose, a passionate commitment to continuous learning and relentless determination to do what is right and not what is easy. So as you know, we look at kind of, you know, how you would approach things as a leader, like when you first started getting into leading people, what is kind of one of the first areas you found yourself really having to like struggle and grow in? What was the hardest thing about starting to get people to try to follow you? Well, first of all, I think that question is very well structured because that is the question is how do you get people to follow you? Right. And I think, um, or why should anybody follow you? You know, you should, if you're stepping into a leadership position, you should ask yourself that question. And I think if you're coming from say an engineering type of role, you tend to think of things very just literally, right? Like if I define leadership, I do it by opening the dictionary, you know, or if I, um, if I want to figure out how to solve that problem, I really just, I, I get rid of a lot of the motivational or fluffy stuff. And I want to figure out, you know, if I were to meet you, Britain, on the side of the road and we didn't know each other and I'm like, hey, I'm going here and this is why you want to come along with me? Do you, do you want to follow me? Uh, I'm going to have some serious questions I need to answer before you even consider <laughs> it, right? Right, yeah. But if you break things down in those very simple terms, I found that's how I find answers to these questions. If I put it in very simple terms, hey, Britain, nice to meet you. Will you follow me where I'm going? Well, hold on. I need to know some things about you. I need to know that you're credible. So that tells you step one, I need to establish rapport. If if you and I have no rapport, you have no reason to trust me because I haven't invested in that trust. Then I have no reason to think you would actually follow me outside of the fact that maybe you're accepting a paycheck from the company, at least for the time being. Right. 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 So step one in anything in, in my experience is you have to establish rapport. You have to establish trust and you do that. Your words are unimportant in that endeavor. You have to you have to invest. It's a bank account and you can make withdrawals and you can make deposits. And as you make more deposits in that bank account over time to say, yeah, I will be where I say I'm going to be. I will support you when you are having challenges or, you know, when somebody throws you under the bus, I'm not going to be there with them, helping them throw you under the bus. You know, I'm actually going to have <laughs> your back. Um these things add up over time. And eventually that individual contributor is going to say, maybe I can just trust this guy, or maybe I can to some degree to the point where I'm willing to, you know, you know, it's, it's a sliding scale in other words. So maybe I'll trust this individual to the point that I'll follow them at least in this company for the time that I'm here, you know, and, and that can grow over time and become more substantial over time. I, th- I think that's, that's a good point because like, I'm going to just, I'm going to take it back to like the first time that that I had to start working with you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got hired and immediately, you know, you were, you, you had started like maybe four months ahead of me, I think maybe six months ahead of me. And mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden you're just like, you know, handed a team and like, here's your team. And, you know, all of a sudden I got a call from you one day. I'm like, Hey, I'm your manager. And I'm like, Oh, nice, nice to meet you. Whoever you are. And, 
you know, and you kind of, you know, we had a few conversations and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm going to come out and see you, you know, and we're just going to hang out and, you know, and have dinner and talk. And I'm like, yeah. oh, all right. Well, that's interesting. And like, yeah, you, you, you really had almost no other, at least no other agenda on your schedule other than to come meet me, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, that little thing, like to me, it actually spoke volumes to say like, wow, this guy is leaving his house, his family, he's, you know, going on a, getting on a flight, you know, coming across several states just to really come, you know, meet a member of his team and shake my hand and figure out who the heck this guy is that he has mm -hmm. to work with and maybe whether or not he has to fire him at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll call that out as a, a challenge that, you know, if you step into a managerial or slash leadership position at some point is that it's hard to get honesty from your people sometimes. And I guess, again, that's where rapport and trust comes in because there's always that looming concern. Is this guy judging me negatively? Is he going to fire me or something like that? And if that's not at all where your head is, you're like, yeah. Damn it, guys, will you just tell me the truth of what's going on, the good, the bad, the ugly? I don't care, so we can work through it. Um, but yeah, it's good to hear your feedback on that, um, that that did have a positive impact because COVID came around and that inhibited a lot of that activity. Oh, yeah. And then it, and I don't know that I've ever gotten back to it. So it's kind of a reminder that I need to meet my people in person. Yeah, and and like and as I as I have thought about like you know ways that I would you know if if I ever got into a real leadership position at some point in my career, I felt like that's kind of like to me that I feel like that's thing one, right? Like I need to, especially in this day and age in technology where we're on these dispersed teams, we're all spread out throughout the country. You know, yeah, it's super easy to not be connected to each other, not be involved in everybody's lives, and I get that, like you know. Not everybody who you work with at work is your friend, you know, like there, there are, there's such a thing as, you know, coworkers and friends, like they are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, sure. some, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, but in general, like, I feel like from, from a, a, a managerial aspect or a leadership to staff employee aspect, it, it, it's almost like, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say it's like manipulating the relationship, but to some level, I feel like if in a leadership position, you kind of have to like take steps to try to intentionally craft a very specific relationship. Do you think that's kind of true and how you have to like, you know, kind of walk that line a little bit? Um, I guess it's as true as it is with any relationship and that you're kind of deciding to what degree uh, you want to, you know, get close with somebody. You know what I mean? Uh, there's got to be barriers in most healthy relationships with my children, those barriers are almost non-existent, right? In terms of, right. you know, but there are barriers, right? There are adult things and there are child things and we are aware of those. And then in, in, with my friends, there's barriers. And then with uh, coworkers and employees, um, the question really is, do you want to be friends with them? And then the challenge is that if you get too close with an employee, become friends, well, then maybe you're not friends with other employees. That's bad. Right. Because then you have this weird imbalance. And then maybe you have to deliver bad news one day. And that's bad, you know. Right. So I think it really it's just a matter of I, I think it should. I do take this tact where it should be mostly work focused. You should get to know the people on your team, but it should be mostly work focused. And um, it shouldn't go beyond that. You know, you shouldn't be drinking buddies, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, 
just because it's not fair to the other employees. You can't help but be biased. I learned a lot about bias and learning about threat hunting and threat research and all that stuff. And you learn how fallible the human brain is. It's just, you can't, you can't bypass it. So yeah, just don't even start down that road. Yeah. And I guess that, you know, like, in you know, classic TV shows like the office, you know, Michael Scott, he's trying to, he's the manager of the office and he's trying to like be buddy, buddy with everybody, but nobody wants to be friends with him because he's the manager, you right. know? And that, and of course that's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's why they tried to make it a big thing on the show back in the day. But yeah. at the same time, like, like, yeah, like, it's it, it it it's it's hard to like be honest with a leader in some respects without necessarily feeling an enough of a level of trust yeah to actually be, feel like you know you have some sort of a rapport and and, and even on a you know, maybe not a friendly rapport but at least a pro- a professional steady enough rapport that you know you can figure that kind of stuff out how how well yeah, I, you know the barrier is there because you're contending with people's livelihoods you know, and you have to take that seriously. You have to consider that at step yeah. one, uh, because they're going to protect their livelihood. So maybe they won't open up about everything. And then you have to be cognizant of the fact that that's ultimately what you're dealing with. It's a very, very serious thing. So um, it's not just buddy, buddy. And yeah, there's a little barrier there. And it requires a lot of effort to build up trust to say, is this person really going to have my back if, you know, when it's most important and, you know, things are going wrong or whatever. So I think that's just, you have to keep that. That's got to be your frame of reference, in my opinion, when, when working with people, even somebody you're not directly responsible for, if, if it's a peer, if you're in a toxic environment where rumors are going around and this kind of thing, and, and people are just so willing to throw each other under the bus over little things in these highly toxic environments, you're, you're dealing with people's livelihoods. And I just think that's um, something you should consider in in the way you conduct yourself in any business or any organization. Yeah. Let me. I want to play you a, a clip from this Jim Collins guy about you know some leadership stuff and just kind of get your thoughts on on what he's saying here. Building on that idea of leading people from here to there, I came across a wonderful sentence from General Eisenhower, where he said that leadership is the art of getting people to want to do what must be done. I noticed those three parts. As a leader, number one, you have to know what must be done. I mean, part of the responsibility of being a leader is to figure out on the big things what must be done, and much more often than not, to be right. And that, that last part about you know, knowing what needs to be done and being right about it, that's got to be really, really difficult. I don't know that I agree with that. I agree with almost a matter of fact, I think he hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, on two key points, which I've always said, if you eliminate all the fluffy stuff and all the motivational stuff, and even a lot of what you said, when you opened up the show, you listed off five traits. I think we should be less focused on personality traits for leadership. At the end of the day, what is the job itself? And the job one is getting people from point A to point B. And, and he described that. So providing a sense of direction, that means, and it seems obvious, but it doesn't always happen, which is I need to know exactly where my team is going. What does success look like this quarter, this half, this year? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's measurable um, in, in every aspect. If, it, if I succeed in everything, how do I measure that I've been successful? And then step two of that is how do I communicate that to my team very, very clearly so that I'm certain they understand what, what the objective is? Um, 
And so that, that's part of that, getting them from point A to point B. Uh, and then the second thing, in my opinion, is providing a source of energy. That goes back to what he said about making them want to do what needs to be yeah, done yeah. and that kind of thing. That starts with hiring, making sure you have goals that are aligned. You know, if I say, hey, follow me, random person on the street. Well, I do want to go where you're ultimately going. You know where to go. You can communicate where to go. You have mm -hmm. experience going there, you know, um, and you've established trust and rapport. Maybe this person would actually follow you after that. Um so providing a source of energy, well, if if the goal is big enough and it's worthy of pursuit, then your team is going to run out of steam at some point. You're going to run against up against barriers to the objective. You're going to, again, if it's big enough, it, if it's worthy of all your team's effort, then it's going to be extremely challenging and your team is going to lose steam. So how do you get your team motivated? There's a lot of different tools in the toolbox, but um that is, in my opinion, the job of the leader to pull the best out of your people to try to get them to attack their objective. And then the final thing that he didn't touch on, in my opinion, is leveraging the unique talents of each team member to overcome those inevitable barriers to the objective. You know, okay. you have the things that exist within the job description, but then you have, okay, Britain's really great at taking a project management approach toward addressing a project lifecycle. I have somebody else who's really solid on architecture. I have somebody else who's really phenomenal at developing content, right? I have all these unique skill sets amongst the individuals on my team that can complement each other. And when put together, they can, they should be able to work as a team to overcome those barriers that I described. So that to me, those three things is the task, if you eliminate personality traits and communication styles and, and all of those different things, you're, you're left with a job you have to do. And it really doesn't, and I'll be honest, nobody really cares how you do it. As long as you do it, you do it ethically, you achieve the outcomes. You know, if you do that well, and you have the rapport of your team, the rapport of your leadership, then it, the rest really doesn't matter. And I guess like, that, that's, it's, it's a good take on it. I think <laughs> I don't I'll know. Your word for it. I don't. I don't know enough about this stuff yet. That's why I'm trying to talk to the people about this stuff. But like, yeah. but like, yeah, like this is this is part of why I wanted to kind of get through some of the stuff because, like, yeah, like what you know when when you know guys like Collins get up and say this stuff, it sounds really good, you know. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, like maybe there is p bits and pieces where, yeah, you got to have a little bit of nuance to things. Well, so he said he said three things. I'm forgetting the one that I disagreed with, but get them from point A to point B. Get them motivated about the task itself, in in other words. Well, the, the, the last, last yeah, the last one was about being, you know, knowing where to go and being right about it. So it's about yeah, kind of that. So let's talk about that for a second. For, forecasting and future planning kind of stuff. Yeah. So decision making is not right or wrong. Typically, there's definitely wrong answers. There's there's definitely things that will lead you in the wrong direction, no doubt. But there's usually a lot of different right answers, and so decision making when it comes to leading a team is I describe it, you know, and this might be challenging for people with an engineering mindset to understand other, uh, anything other than binary options, right or wrong, but <laughs> right, think like an right. artist instead. Yeah. We're standing at the canvas and you got all these different colors and all these different paintbrushes and brush stroke styles and directions you could move your paintbrush. You have lots and lots of decisions and it's not right or wrong. A lot of it is actually creativity and the way one leader develops a program and motivates their people. It, it should really be a creative endeavor and ideally one that takes into account everybody on their team's opinions as well, at least 
to some extent, you know. Right. Well, and I guess that's where, like, you know, from from like from your military background, and he talks about you know General Eisenhower. Like, it's interesting that like a guy like Eisenhower would have sort of this make people want to follow you approach, where instead of uh, you know, just you have to follow me because I'm the general kind of approach, you know. So, and you, and I think you you even told me this story once. You where you you were just like you know, if I led you the way the military trained me, I'd get fired instantly. I think is your direct quote from what you said to me. <laughs> So, well, like, no, I get, uh, I get, um, you were a drill sergeant in the army? Question mark. I couldn't see you doing that. I'm like, yeah, that's because I'd be fired. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, what, no, what, I think, you know, there's things, uh, that you take with you from that environment. And then there's things you hopefully leave behind. Um, you know, you have to consider the difference in the mission. As a drill sergeant, you're tr- you're taking people who don't know anything about what it means to be a soldier. They probably think it's like GI Joe or like a push up contest or look how tough I am. My family's going to be so proud of me. That kind of stuff, and have no idea what to expect, yeah. and get them into the position where they can defeat an enemy on a battlefield that's uh, that's extremely complicated battlefield. So it's uh, there's just it's just a lot of training to get them from point A to point B. But the the mission is warfare. The mission is war fighting. And uh, as an infantry drill sergeant, especially, I wasn't training bricklayers and truck drivers. I was training riflemen who, you know, uh, not even mounted in vehicles. They're on foot. They're riflemen in a combat zone, yeah. a certain type of mindset. So what what I learned is that it's all about investment in your people. That's one thing I learned is that for those for those leaders who find it more important to manage upward they need to make sure their leadership looks at them you know really well and that's the most important part of their uh, career i think they have it totally backwards the most important part should be investing in your people eliminating the barriers for them getting the best out of them making sure they're getting what they want out of their career and so forth because they're the ones who are ultimately going to accomplish the mission and, and, you know, in, in a military setting, that's accentuated so much more because it, it's life and death. And it's not, it's not a 40 or 50 or even an 80-hour work week. It's the whole week. It's all night and all day. When they're off, when they're having problems with their family, uh, spousal problems, you can get calls over almost anything. Not so much in a basic training environment. In that environment, they're under yeah. your control 100%. But, you know, as a platoon leader or anything like that, you, um, you're you there 24-7 in a leadership position. So it, it's that's key. Uh, the other thing, and this is a real eye-opener for me, is that I found that when you invest into people honestly – meaning you sacrifice your time that you had to call home. You sacrifice your time to get a little extra sleep because so-and-so is lagging behind and you genuinely invest. It doesn't mean you're always happy, but you sacrifice your time, your effort to guide an individual from point A to point B. You will be surprised what that in- individual will give you in return in terms of their effort toward the mission. When they, when you see, and, and you and I are both on a level playing field here, when we see that our boss is more invested in the mission than we are, we feel more inclined to give more. And so there's people who may have given no energy to anybody throughout their entire life, just real 
can we cuss? No, <laughs> just real, <laughs> you know, half aid efforts all through life, through school, through everything. And now they're sitting in the military or wherever it is. Yeah. And no, they've never given a hundred percent to anybody. And I've been blown away at what you can get from people when you truly invest in them. It's not a hundred percent effective, but it's a, it's a tool in the toolbox. And that, that I think is an interesting point because like, you know, the, the only kind of like real leadership stuff that I've done is on a, at a, like a volunteer level where you're just trying to lead a small team to do a certain task and a volunteer type thing, you know, like one, but you know, like I, I, my wife and I, years ago, before we had kids, we volunteered with an organization that trains service dogs for people with disabilities. Yeah. And, you know, how do you train a, a dog to turn on a light switch for somebody yeah. in a wheelchair? And, like, that was kind of the big, one of the big tasks that we had to figure out how to do. And the the folks who run the organization kind of trained us the way of kind of getting this done. And I'm like, as we started to have kids, we're like, oh, my gosh, like, there's so many transferable things here. And now as I'm looking at leadership stuff and consuming all those other things, I'm like, wow, there's actually even some correlations to this, too. Because, like, you have to, for a dog, to get a dog to turn on a light switch, you have to break it down to these tiny, 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 tiny little tasks. Like, mm -hmm. first you have to get the dog to look in the direction of the light switch and mm -hmm. see, you know, that's what you're trying to get them to, to, to do. And it's mm -hmm. just all, you're, you're just kind of tiny little programming things to get them to put their, put their nose on it and then get them to do a certain motion. And every little step is leading up towards the achievement of the goal. And that's where I'm just like, you know, as we even start to have kids now, like, it's all of a sudden we find ourselves doing the same thing with our kids. We're like, you know, yeah, like I, I want them to, you know, be mindful of the things that they have and that they should be grateful for the toys and the, and the things that they have in life. And so I'm trying to, you know, be intentional about having my kids be grateful for things and not just be hoarders and wanting more and more and more, you know, mm -hmm. and just trying to break those down into small tasks. And I feel like, you know, as a potential, you know, aspiring leader, like, how do you kind of take, you know, this big, like, like, especially in a sales organization, let's just be more specific. You know, when somebody's given what seems like a insurmountable task, what is some ways that you can help them break it down so that they don't feel like they just have to give up and find a new job? Like, is, do you feel like that's kind of a leadership thing that all, you know, you're constantly having to push back against and try to figure out how to get these people to do the big task and, break it up into small pieces yeah well you asked me early on what was something uh i didn't expect in in a new leadership role and i don't know that i answered that clearly uh if you're in a leadership role a lot of times that means you did well as an individual contributor uh so you're probably highly conscientious which means duty oriented means you do your job whether you want to do it or not right, right. yeah you know, and there's parts of my job i hate doing i don't like reporting uh, and that kind of thing. And I've said, I'm very loud and proud about that. And everybody knows it. I complain about it, but I'm also highly conscientious. I do that part yeah. of my job. Well, you move into a leadership role and it's, you realize everybody's not like that. And that doesn't mean, you know, they might crush it in their job, but there's this thing that's so annoying and they'll agree to it a thousand times. Yep. I'll knock that out. And they don't care. They'll, they'll never knock it out. Um, so that's, um, that's probably slightly different than what you're talking about. Like you said, if they had an insurmountable goal or seemingly insurmountable goal, how do you get them to accomplish that? 
or at least attempt to accomplish it, that's um, hopefully you're not giving insurmountable goals to your people. And if you're going to give a goal to somebody, you should have justification on why you believe it's surmountable. And you should also be co-invested with them to try to help them surmount it. Now, you also talked about training the dog and geez, that's potentially very derogatory to talk about people as if they're dogs, but it's the same, you know, uh, it, it's the only dog. correlation I have. So. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no, actually, I think it's a really good one. Um, not because people are dogs at all, but it's kind of a simplified version. Uh, I'm reading this really phenomenal book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. And there's this uh, this lady who uh, she was a reporter for NPR. Her name's very long, and she's the author. So I'm sorry, uh, I didn't do my due diligence. I'll, I'll look it up. This call, yeah, uh, not important enough apparently. But uh, she she has this two year old, and she confesses like I'm bad at this, and she says I never wanted to be so good at something that I've been so bad at. And you can just hear the desperation in that sentence. You can't cut away from this responsibility. This is yours. Yeah, yeah. You're bad at it and you really want to be good at it. Um, and then she takes her child on a mission with her with work to investigate some of these hunter-gatherer tribes. And all of a sudden, her two-year-old is a totally different person within literally minutes. Doesn't throw temper tantrums, collaborates with all the other people, shares, um, engages with activities and things like that. And so the book goes through a couple of key principles, and the primary one that I think is relevant to anybody in a leadership position is it's true for your kids, and it's at least partially true for most of your employees, which is your kid's primary motivation in life, once they've been fed and had sleep, is to be a part of the tribe. They want nothing more than to be a member of the tribe. And as parents, I think we know that, but we, we don't always harness that that motivation to the best of our ability to say, hey, go play with your toys. You're over there. I'm cooking. Yeah. Don't bother me. You drop things. You you annoy me. You slow me down. You know what I mean? Go yeah. play with your toys. They're educational. But what we're saying is, hey, you're not a part of the tribe. You know, a toddler, hey, hold this. Go get me that. Just tell, tell a child, hey, I'm going to go make dinner and just see what they say. You know what the answer is going to be is, oh, can I help? So use that. Um, and I think it's true for leading anybody, which is, you have to bring them into the fold and you can't expect everybody to be perfect. You have to let people fail. You have to let them know, give them their, their membership card into the tribe, let them fail and be a guide. But it's not, I think what is not a leadership approach that I see commonly used is go do this, go do that. And, uh, and then when that all fails, your only last tool in the toolbox is accountability. You need to hold your people accountable. Well, I could tell you to train a dog to turn on a light switch and not help you do it, not break it down into tasks, not assist you at all, not actually lead you at all. I just tell you what to do and then I hold you accountable. That's not leadership. That, that is potentially management, um, but I'm not actually leading you. If we take it out of the business context at all and just say, hey, we're, um, we're going to go do this extracurricular activity and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the leader. What does that person do? In, in that context, it seems very different. They should they should know how to help people do the task or or guide them in some way. It's almost it's synonymous. It becomes synonymous with guide, in my opinion. That's good. Yeah. I and and you know the, you you kind of hit two birds with one stone with that with that follow up because I was gonna the, one of the last things I was going to ask you is do you have any book recommendations? So 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's one. There's another really good one. Um, it's called Why Should Anyone Be Led by You? And that's a series of studies of all these really effective leaders. And they found that basically, I can almost save you from reading the book. There's um, unique personality traits to each one of these highly successful leaders. And almost none of those personality traits are overlapping. So that shifted my thinking from what is the right type of person that makes a good leader to what is the task of a leader and how would you accomplish that task? Selling yourself that you would be a good leader might be a different thing. Proving yeah. to people that you have that leadership presence is a different thing. But in terms of, you know, are you the loud, boisterous person in the room or are you the one who, you know, invests in relationships on a one to one basis or are you, um, you know, are you a more hard nosed kind of person or, or are you more willing to listen to the voices of your people? You know, it's, it turns out that effective leaders have any number of different approaches, but ultimately um, personality traits are not what is relevant at all. Cool. Well, Ian, I appreciate you giving me the time and going through some of this stuff with me. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I think this is going to be really, really good and helpful for a lot of people. Mostly me at this point, because I don't know if anybody's actually going to listen to this. Thanks for, you know, all again, all of your leadership and friendship as well. And, uh, you know, I hope uh, the future goes well for you, sir. Likewise. Stay in touch. Thank you, Britton.